So Money Episode 170, Jason Vitas. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest just wrapped up a financial crusade, literally. Jason Vitug is the founder of Frugal.com. It's a financial education service for millennials. And he just ended a 10,000-mile road trip called The Road to Financial Wellness, a tour to get people talking about their financial wellness. It kicked off in Portland, Maine on June 1st, and it wrapped up in LA today. It was an epic 10,000-mile road trip that took the Frugal team across the country visiting 30 cities in 30 days. Jason is a New Jersey native and he's a former Silicon Valley resident. He left his financial services executive job to explore the world, took a risk. During his backpacking trip through 20 countries in 12 months, Jason had an epiphany while sitting atop an 8th century temple in Myanmar. He was living his childhood dream and wanted to help others live theirs. And the general passion for personal finances that he had led to the creation of Frugal. Jason wants to solve the biggest problem, preventing people from living their dream lifestyle. And it was a combination of the lack of knowing and lack of access to relevant and reliable information. So he wants to be that destination for people. Many takeaways from our time with Jason. You know, he just wrapped this 30-day tour across the country, went to cities big and large, and was able to really canvas the financial pulse of America today. What are those revelations? What are the issues that particularly millennials are grappling with most? We learn the moment Jason decided to resign from his vice president position at a local credit union in Silicon Valley, it was very difficult to leave. It actually took him six months to actually, from when he told his boss he wanted to leave to actually leaving. Uh, how that transpired and how those of us, perhaps on the podcast, who are in a job we don't love, but it pays the bills, uh, how do we get that inspiration to make that leap of faith? And interestingly enough, Jason wasn't always good with money. He racked up thousands of dollars in overdraft fees alone in the early days of using his debit card. So we get into all sorts of things with Jason. He's a great guest. Can't wait. Here we go. Jason Vitug. Jason Vitug, welcome to So Money. You know, I've only corresponded with you on Twitter, so this is really kind of a nice way to, to, to connect finally, voice to voice. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Farnoosh, for having me. So it is great to connect voice to voice. Yes, and you are now just ending a 30-day nationwide 10,000-mile road trip that your team over at Frugal uh, has completed 30 cities in 30 days. Your mission is to get people on the road to financial wellness. What made you want to spread the good word in this way? Why not just do, you know, a Twitter chat? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to do something epic in the beginning of the summer. So, uh, w- like so- something uh, combining my love of travel, personal finance, and engaging with people on the local level. 
that's what that's how the road to financial wellness came about. And I think when we're talking about personal finance and what I've learned uh, on the road, so when we connect it to lifestyles and kind of living that dream, uh, crossing things off of the bucket list, people tend to want to listen more. And, and so that's how this whole road trip came about. It was let's align the things that people want to do, um, how people want to spend their money and what a better way to do so than, than through a road trip. And what were you doing in these cities? You went all over the country, LA, South Carolina, Boston, New York, Chicago. Like what were you actually physically doing that was moving the needle? Well, we, we were participating in 30 events in 30 locations uh, in 30 days. So it wasn't just us going to one location, setting up a, a tent and handing out flyers. And it was really uh, we wanted to work on the local level uh, with local organizations. Uh, we've worked with a number of nonprofits and financial cooperatives in various locations around the country. And, and with that, that was what we wanted to do was to connect uh, the local residents of these cities to the local resources that are available. Um, and we were having uh, one-on-one conversations with entrepreneurs and, and millennials and, and just local residents about uh, the financial topics that were important to them. And through the conversations, I mean, there've been a, a common theme. Uh, yeah. What have has, people been telling you? What's, what's, uh, what is replaying across the country at this point? Uh, it really is with, with the millennials. It really is about a sense of community. Um, I mean, that has played out in, in majority of the locations that, that we've been, uh, we've been through and the, the sense of, of entrepreneurship. And so that topic of community entrepreneurship and living the, that dream lifestyle are the three takeaways from this road trip. It's that, uh, when, when the conversation of entrepreneurship really focuses on like financial sustainability, that we may not be, de- we can't be dependent on one type of income sources that we might, we definitely need to diversify income sources in order for us to live the, that dream lifestyle. Uh, we also need to take, uh, uh, control of our work situation. And, and so that conversation with entrepreneurship, whether we were in Portland, uh, Portland, Maine or in, uh, n- in the middle of Nebraska, that's the type of conversations that people were having. And, and the sense of community that everyone wants to give back, that we are part, um, uh, we're in this together. I mean, that has, has come about in every single location, every single stop we've had. So now what's next? Uh, so what's next is that to turn, to turn these conversations um, and uh, continue to promote them uh, throughout, uh, throughout the following months. And follow back, follow back with the people that we've had uh, conversations with and see if there are any changes. Uh, start working with the organizations that we've partnered with uh, at these locations to see if there are any new products or services that have been created based on these conversations that we've had at an event um, or the feedback and information that, that we've been able to gather in, in that community level and that we're sharing with our partner organizations. Uh, so we, we went through this road trip uh, with the mission to turn these local money discussions into a national conversation of financial well-being. And what I wanted was to make sure that everything was pretty, uh, pretty organic and grassroots. And we're, we, we went in this with our eyes open, with our ears open, because we wanted to see what people were really thinking about. Um, what are the financial struggles uh, that people were, were having, as well as their dreams? Like, how can they achieve them? And so that's how uh, we were able to, to get a sense and get a pulse of what's happening around the country in terms of, in terms of uh, what is needed. 
And what looks like uh, uh, what's coming out of this is really is a, a source, uh, a place where people can access information and resources more easily, uh, things that are relevant and reliable. And we'll still do a bit more analysis, a bit more follow-up, as I mentioned, and uh, we'll figure out what the next step is in, in the next uh, 30 to 60 days. You know, what's interesting is that sometimes listeners write into me on Ask Farnoosh and they say, uh, do you know of any resources where I can meet other people who are like-minded or also kind of financial geeky, financial <laughs> nerdy people that, you know, we can, can meet once in a while and just over coffee and talk about whatever, just because like you said, I think people really are desperate for a sense of community. And I thought, gee, what if there was, you know, a website where you could go and find someone like almost like a Tinder for financial hookups? <laughs> oh my God. Awesome. I can't believe I just said that. But like, you know, we have meetups for everything, you know, where you can go yeah. online and find a meetup for any, any common interest. And I wonder if we could create one that was specific for personal finance and maybe frugal is the destination that people can go and find these nation, nationwide meetups. Just thinking I, out loud. No, I, I, I think that, that that's awesome. And, and that's really kind of one of the other key things that, that we've noticed is that there is that sense of community and people want to connect with other like-minded people. And, and as I, as I go and I, and I talk about my personal financial journey, my entrepreneurial journey, um, I talk about the network, the network of people I surround myself with and the importance of that. And so when we're, we're, we were at these locations, people were asking, it's like, how can I meet other, other people who are striving for the same things? Not necessarily the same goals, but who have set financial goals, who have set dream lifestyles. And they're looking to connect. And, and I love that idea of like a, a Tinder for financial hookups because uh, <laughs> people are craving it. They are craving um, information. They just don't necessarily know where to go. Um, and if they happen to to stumble upon it on through uh, through Twitter or a Facebook post or or Snapchat or whatever have you, uh, it was it's really interesting that 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 people are proactively um, looking to engage uh, with others. And kind of one of the key things that, that I wanted to do uh, on this road trip, and we've been successful in doing so, was breaking that social taboo, that last taboo on, on with conversations is money. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you do such a great job. And, and through Ask Farnoosh and people asking uh, about uh, their financial situations and kind of what they need to do in order for them to, to achieve their dreams, to achieve their financial goals, I'm seeing that. And I'm see I've saw that through Twitter. I've saw that through Facebook posts and, and other social networks. And as we've gone through these locations and we've spoken with people um, in various ages from, from uh, elementary school and even through senior citizens, is that uh, they're really looking for, for that, that sense of community and they are actively engaging in conversations through social networks, through groups. And we've partnered with, with, uh, churches and, and organizations that, that get people into a community circle where they're actively talking about their financial situations. And, and I truly believe now with, with a better uh, understanding and, and more, more data in terms of that, we are reaching that stage in our society where, where people will be more apt and more open to, uh, to talk about money. Well, congratulations. This is epic. And I'm, I'm really happy that you got the feedback that you did. I think um, 
I think you and I, you know, it's, 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 it's a labor of love. <laughs> it has <laughs> yes. to be. It is. You know, it is. Money is not really like a hot topic for everybody, but I, at least, you know, if you and I are out there, hopefully, you know, moving the needle a little bit, um, it sounds like you're doing amazing work. Well, thank you. And, and that's the thing too. It's like uh, money isn't a hot topic. I mean, when we think about spending it and, and you know, you know this with like the people you've interacted with through the years, it's that, yes, it's fun when we're thinking about spending. And, and what's interesting is that when I've, when I've gone through these uh, events and I'm talking about like uh, spending and that, that I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop spending. I'm talking to you to consciously spend, uh, to have financial mm-hmm. awareness and they get excited because they, they automatically assume that this is a talk about like how they should be saving and they should stop yeah. spending. And they're like, well, that, there's a disconnect because uh, we want to live that dream lifestyle. We want to live uh, what, what I call that smile lifestyle. And so so with that, it's like it, that has really gone very well through, uh, through these locations in terms of just being conscious about the lifestyle you want to live and the spending habits that you have in order to achieve it. And, and for me, th- these conversations, these emails, these tweets and, and these messages we get from social networks and the excitement around this aha, like they got, mm-hmm. they're getting this aha moment and we are moving the, the needle a bit. And when I set out on this goal, I wanted to do something pretty crazy. And so I said, what, 10,000 miles, 30 events, 30 locations, let's do this. And um, it's, it's just been very eye opening for me. Um, I've changed, uh, as an individual. How so? My, uh, it's, it's just that I think that when I've immersed myself in personal finance and I've read a ton of books, I've listened to a ton of podcasts. I am a personal finance blogger. I'm, I'm working with financial technology companies. And I think we, we have a very good grasp of personal finance and, and based on our personal issues and based on the people that reach out, actively reach out to us. Now, when you go out onto these locations and you're, you're kind of forcing the conversation on money, it's, uh, it gives you an eye-opening look in terms of like some of the, uh, some of the issues in finance. I mean, there's a lot of frustration with people in terms of, of kind of like their income situation. Uh, income inequality was one of the key things too that popped up. Uh, their frustration and there is a sense of anger. And in my mind, I never really thought that there would be many people all around the country that are really angered about their situation and trying to figure out how can they change it. And they would have never had these conversations if it weren't us going to these locations. So it just opened my mind um, a bit more in terms of the plight of, I, I just want to say like the common person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the person that does not actively seek out knowledge uh, financial knowledge. And so for me, I just realized that we need to do more of these grassroots efforts that, uh, for us who, who are successful and active on social media and on television or in that realm, that there are still, uh, millions and millions of people that, that need to be, uh, uh, that need to connect with, with the information that we're providing. And that only needs to, that can happen through direct interaction. And of course we can't do that all over the place. Um, but we can partner with local organizations, uh, truly make that grassroots efforts. Cause I, I see that there's a difference right. um, in that. Now you're a role, you're, you're, I think the ideal role model for this, for this movement. And in 2012, you left your job as VP <laughs> of marketing and business development, left a VP position. I think that, and then you went backpacking kind of like, you know, went to go <laughs> find yourself. And, um, during that time you had this epiphany that you wanted to create frugal, 
I think that what you did is what many people want to do. So I want you to take us to that moment where you were like, F it. <laughs> I'm quitting this job. I'm, I'm going to go and do something really scary. I don't know what's going to be on the other side of it, but I'm going to do it. What, what was that trigger? And what would, how would you encourage somebody who might be in that same situation right now to take that leap of faith? Yeah, it's, it was, it was a process for me. So I look back and it always seems like I made that one, one decision and I stuck with it. Uh, for me, I was, I, I followed a plan. And I think growing up, uh, people tell us, uh, my parents, uh, just society that graduate high school, you will be happy. Go to college, you'll be happy. Get that first job, get promoted, get a house, get married, uh, you'll be happy. And I was doing these things. I was, I was at that point where, where I was following this path. And I was like, when do I get happy? And at, at this point, I also had uh, financial mistakes. I had a ton of financial mistakes. I was in debt. I had student loan debt, credit card debt. And, but I was making six figures. And there's a disconnect in my professional success and my financial distress. And, and so I knew that th- there's something that was missing. And I didn't know exactly what that was. And I couldn't pinpoint it. And I got to that point where I said, um, well, I can continue making purchases. And so I filled my closets uh, with clothes and gadgets and things that I never used. So, um, I mean, I would walk in, I'd see clothes with, with tags still on them, boxes of electronic gadgets I'd never opened because I was just in this consumption mentality. And, but, but at that point, I needed to make a decision. I said, I can continue on this path. And when I was offered uh, the successor CEO route for my organization, I think that was one of the aha moments where, where I was like, do I continue on this path where I'm not happy and maybe more money, more, more resources would, would make me do so? And I think since I'm a very purpose, purposeful individual, I was looking for my purpose. And, and I just went into my CEO uh, and I said, I'm resigning. And that was in June of 2011. And it took me six months to actually leave. Uh, so it wasn't easy. It wasn't like I'm gone. I'm, I'm out of here. It was like, here it is. My, my CEO, my boss was like, nope, I'm not taking your resignation. Let's, let's try to figure this out and make <laughs> this work. And every month they kept giving me, they would give me more money, more days off. They would say, they'd say, okay, wow. we'll give, we'll, yeah, they're like, we'll give you a, a down payment to, uh, uh, to purchase a home. I mean, they wanted, they're enticing me with financial rewards. Uh, uh, to, what to company stay. is this? So just in case anybody wants to apply for a job at this place. <laughs> It's a it's a credit union, uh, so uh, out in Silicon Valley. Um, so, uh, but uh, so it was a really great work environment. And I think it's it's very difficult for people to to leave when. Oh well, I think it's it's if you hate your job and you feel that this is something that that you need to do, and it's, it might be easier to say, okay, I'm out of here. But for me, I love the people I worked with. I love the, the tasks and, and my responsibilities, but something was missing. And even with all these rewards that I was receiving, I just, I felt that I needed to take that leap. And so when I did, it did take me six months because I kept going back and forth. And unfortunately my company uh, wanted, truly wanted me to stay and they were doing the best they can. And it wasn't until January of 2012, I, I had my conversation with my, with my boss and I said, this is it. And she chuckled because she thought, yeah, yeah, you've said that for the last six months. And, and I said, no, I'm about to uh, board a plane. This is, this is it. Uh, so it, w- it wasn't just that one quick moment. It was a, really a process for me and, and, uh, and that leap. And I think anyone that's, that's looking to make that change, uh, it is very difficult. It's not easy. And we might, we may look, 
may uh, seem like uh, it's easy, like one quick, one quick uh, decision. And I, I just learned now um, I'm extremely happy in the place that I am. And, and I had to make that really tough decision. I didn't know where I was headed. Um, it was a three month uh, period where I just wanted to sit in an island and kind of decompress and figure out my life. And which turned into a 12 month backpacking trip. Did you go on this trip and you went to my, you talk about how you were sitting atop an eighth century temple in Myanmar and you had that, the, the realization that you wanted to help others live their lives and starting with their money. And, and, and so then you started frugal, but, uh, did you put pressure on yourself to say, I'm going to go on this trip and I better figure it out. <laughs> you know, like, and, and do you recommend that, that people kind of cleanse their thinking a little bit by going on a trip and experiencing new environments and people and cultures and exploring the world in order to really get back to where, where home is for them? You know, when, when I started, I just wanted to decompress. And I, I said to myself, I know who I am. I know that I can go back to corporate America. And I didn't think that I would end up being an entrepreneur uh, through this. And I truly believed that, that when you take yourself away from comfort or from the environment or from the people that, that, that uh, make you comfortable – and you're exposed to new experiences. Uh, you're exposed to uh, new conversations. It just it changes your thought pattern. You're able to see things differently. You're able to really see yourself differently. And that's that's what happened with me. And like so, here I was traveling around uh, different different third world countries, first world countries, and and people saying you're American. You're so lucky. The land of opportunity. Uh, they, people believe our streets are paved with gold. But they knew the reality back home, and it was that that people were struggling, and whether they're making two hundred thousand or fifty thousand, they weren't making the right financial decisions. They weren't living their dream lifestyle, and that's exactly what I was doing with my life. It's yes, I I, I was fortunate growing up in an inner city, and I worked hard, and and I got to that professional level and financial success. But I had all those moments where I didn't know where I was headed in terms of my finances. And because of the bad financial decision making that I was making. And, and so having these conversations with people who look at me as an American from like a, a different perspective and saying, you have all these available resources and look at you, you're living your dream lifestyle. It's like, I want to be able to do that. But I knew there are millions of millions of people in the U.S. that weren't. And, and that's kind of that, that mission where, where I came back and I said, I want to empower my generation through financial knowledge, through better access to financial information, uh, to live their dream lifestyle. And I, that's how I connected that personal finance aspect of it. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a, uh, a very interesting journey, uh, thus far, but yeah, I didn't set out. I didn't put, I didn't put pressure on myself to say, I need to change. What happens is that, that when you're, when you're thrust into these situations, um, you do change mm-hmm. and, and that's because of the environment and the people, the new people that, that enter your life. Good investment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number one financial philosophy, Jason? A guy, a mantra that helps guide your money making choices. Um, I'm about conscious spending uh, and, and a true awareness on how you're spending your money. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm not that type of individual that says do not spend. Um, I, I believe we work hard to make to make money in order to spend it, whether we spend it today or we spend it later uh, in life. But if we, if we're truly conscious and aware of our, of our spending, 
um, we're able to afford the the beautiful home, mm-hmm. the expensive car, the amazing vacations and experiences. So for me, it's it's for people to truly work on their 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 money mindset, their their uh, their relationship uh, with money in terms of their spending. You said you grew up in the inner city. Yes. So what was your exposure to money as a kid growing up? And what would you say is your most influential money memory? Um, so I did not have the financial conversations with my parents, the money combo uh, with my parents. I didn't have the education in high school uh, or in college. And uh, the most impactful uh, uh, memory that I have was my first relationship with a credit card. Um, I, I was in the college campus and um, I wanted this Frisbee. And uh, they were giving, <laughs> they're giving away. Is that all it took? My gosh! And, yeah, it was. They were giving away frisbee, and they're like, and I said, I wanted, I wanted it to play in, on campus, and they like, sign on the dotted line, and so I signed on the dotted line, and I got this frisbee, and then all of a sudden, the mail, I get a five hundred dollar credit limit credit card, and and I'm like, oh, this is this is this is awesome, and with a twenty dollar minimal monthly payment, I could afford that. That wasn't a problem, but because I was quote unquote, managing my money very well in terms of paying this credit. I amassed over $5,000 of credit card debt because they kept increasing my limit. And then I kept, I kept making sure I was using all that. And by the time I graduated with that one credit card, I had over $5,000 in credit card. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what I purchased with that credit card. All I remember is that Frisbee. And that's what mm. I call my $5,000 Frisbee. Oh my gosh. Plus interest. Plus interest, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, well, now, you know, they can't be on campus, uh, hawking yes. their credit cards. <laughs> but, uh, I think we all, all of us who are, what, how old are you? Max? 31. Yeah. 31. So all of us in our thirties who did go to college in like the late nineties, early two thousands probably have this bad story in our, <laughs> in our skeleton closet of uh, financial skeletons. Um, so thanks for sharing. What did you do to get out of that debt? Ultimately, well, you got the you got the big job, so hopefully that paid it off. Well, well, well yeah, because I, I was I was working like sixty hours a week while going to college, and, and I mean, I told, I was a big financial mess, but uh, <laughs> I, I went and I um I, I did I made payments on time every time. So I mean, there are situations where I see people it's like, okay, well, I'm not in a really bad situation, and that's how I thought I was because I can make the minimum monthly payment, and uh, but eventually I, I realized that that. Uh, Debt was the ball and chain. And if I truly wanted to live this lifestyle or change jobs, I, I had this stress of not being able to do so because once I had that, that moment where I realized that debt will prevent me from, uh, from living the life I want to live or, or basically changing jobs when I was unhappy with one job I wanted to change, that, that was that moment where I said, okay, I need to prioritize debt repayment. And, um, so that, that, that worked for me in terms of just, again, it's that mindset shift and understanding that piece. Would you say that that $5,000 credit card, $5,000 Frisbee (laughs) was your biggest money mistake to date or was there something even more, uh, catastrophic? Um, I mean, (laughs) I, I, I took on a, a ton of student, student loan debt, um, which I, which I, I, I call it all student loan debt, but when I went to go for my, my master's, so I, I got my, my MBA and I was going for my MFA, master's in fine arts, because I wanted to be a filmmaker. And, 
And uh, it was just taking on these loans because I said to myself, yes, uh, it's, uh, it is an investment. But I didn't really have a plan in terms of what I was going to use the, the education for. So I amassed like $70,000 of credit card and student loan debt trying to afford um, kind of like my, my second uh, master's degree. And so that was another mistake because it was just like these things that are ingrained uh, mm -hmm. in me. And so, yes, it was just that the availability of credit, um, because I had such a high credit score, it was very easy for me to, to, to get like private student loans, to get credit cards, to, to pay for the things that I thought would add value to my life. Uh, and so that was impactful. And now at the point that I'm in, uh, I don't believe that credit is a problem. And I think many people say, yes, credit in this country is the problem. I'm going, no, the biggest problem is debt. And if we can properly use credit and, and right. credit is such a powerful tool because it allowed us in this country to buy houses, buy cars, to afford school. And again, it's that mindset shift to, to know the difference between credit and debt. And for me, that was that learning experience that just because um, I had a high credit score and I could apply for any type of loan or credit card and the probability of get, getting it didn't mean that I needed to go into debt. I agree. I, I, someone asked me on the show this weekend, how many credit cards is too many? And I said, I don't really have a rule of thumb. <laughs> I mean, you could have one person who has one credit card and they're horrible with that credit card <laughs> and, and they have debt and they're not paying on time. And it's like, it's not really the number. And you could have someone who has five credit cards or seven, 10 credit cards and pays them all on time beautifully. No, never, you know, never late. Great credit score. So it's like, I agree with you. It's not about the credit. It's about the debt. And it's about the person behind the credit that is either mismanaging or managing that credit well. So, um, I echo your sentiments. What would you say is your so money moment, Jason? A moment in time where you just felt like you really, climbed the financial mountain uh, it, it was <laughs> well i climbed that eighth century temple <laughs> <laughs> that's how i thought of it yeah yeah that's that's exactly it it's like when i was sitting on top of that eighth century temple staring out of five thousand temples pagodas and stupas out of the jungle landscape that's when i realized i've achieved a dream a dream that i've forgotten and and that was like that that moment where i was like wow i'm in financial bliss and I've been, I've been able to, to achieve a dream that I'd forgotten because I was so lost. So that is my so money moment. It's, it's that, that, that key moment in, in 2012 where I was, I was on sitting and going, I'm living my dream. Mm. And habits. What's your number one financial habit? Save first. <laughs> it's like, that's uh, boring. Give us something no, more exciting. It's, it's save first, but I'm talking about saving everything. And, and it's just a, this, this mantra where, where it's like, yes, I put money away into a, a savings account. Yes, that's boring. But I also look at it in terms of like making purchases and I, I, I talk about spending and it's okay to spend and, but I want to spend as, as frugally as possible. And, but also with the mindset of, of putting savings first, because eventually I don't want to continue working as much as I'm working in perpetuity. So it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's, that is kind of like that, that habit that I think, uh, people should look at. And in terms of when they're making purchases, it's, it's how can they save on that purchase? Uh, like what, what coupons or, or online codes and things like that can they use to make that purchase and, and lessen the impact in the wallet? So yeah, it's a little boring, but it's, it's one of the things <laughs> I'm just that, kidding. Yeah, no, but it's one of the things that, uh, 
that I always talk about because, uh, yeah, it's like the moment um, I'm about to go purchase something, I always try to see if there's if there's a discount that I can utilize. And, and I look at it as in, okay, if it's, it's $100 and I can save 20 bucks on it, that's $20 for me to go and, and put into something else that, that I may love or like or, or just on a uh, discretionary spend. <laughs> yeah, it's trade-offs. You got to think long-term. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. It's awesome. boring, but it's, it's, but it works. Awesome. If, okay, so we're going to do some so money fill in the blanks. You, do you listen to the show? Do you know what's about to come? come at uh, somewhat now I'm <laughs> a little nervous, a little nervous. It's little okay. Nervous. <laughs> Just say the first thing that comes to your mind, finish the sentence. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million dollars, I would invest in what? My family. Oh, <laughs> the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is my cell phone service. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Well, what, what, kind of, what is this? What do you have that I don't? It, it's 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 just the the access, and I think because I'm on the road. And yeah. Yeah, I'm on the road, and I'm always traveling, and it's just it makes it's it's one of those things that I go I don't really need to spend on it but uh it's it's yeah it has become a need so it's like I want to spend on it because I have access mm-hmm. but it allows it allows me uh, to have <laughs> peace of mind it connects me to my family my friends and and my business what do you have an iPhone iPhone 6 yes I do okay <laughs> I have not made the upgrade yet well, I'm due in November oh, okay <laughs> I refuse to pay the however much it is like the market rate for the iPhone is like <laughs> give me a break my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on you said that you like to spend so what is it oh uh, well it's it's that coffee run i i do spend money on how cliche coffee. is that it, it is very cliche but uh that's on a daily basis now now if you're talking about like a uh on not on a daily basis on a periodic basis uh it would be watches <laughs> so, so oh. yeah, a collection of watches. I, I like a nice, a nice, a nice watch, and I have a collection of Movados and a collection of other uh, different watches that uh, uh, that I just find, and it just um, so I'm willing and, and okay to uh, to spend on that. iPhone watch, yay or nay? Uh, you know, nay for now. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't understand it. It's like I, I like, I'm a big watch fan too. I don't have a lot, but I, I like, I think watches are personal. And yes. I know there's a million different iPhone watches, but I don't need to be that connected on my wrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're so connected already. I just, I just feel like okay, there's just too. We're, we're becoming like part cyborg or something like that with all these attachments. <laughs> One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is uh, how do you, how do you use a checking account um, debit card? I mean, I was I was bad with that. So, so you I, would I, bounce uh, checks and stuff. Yeah, I think I think if if I could pull up all my statements, um, I've probably spent thousands of dollars on <gasps> overdraft fees. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're cringing, and yeah. I'm sure everyone listening is cringing, but it's true. I mean, that's how horrible I was with with debit cards and 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 checking accounts because I really didn't understand how they worked and it sounds silly. Well, they, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well now fortunately, you know, you have to opt in to overdraft. Um, like I guess, uh, whatever it's called overdraft protection, right? You have to opt into that. It's automatically, you don't have it. So if you don't have enough money in your account, you won't get, be able to buy those Twizzlers. No, you're, you're right. And what's interesting is that as I, I've talked to people through the road, they, 
there are people that still don't know about that, that they've opted in, that they signed the dotted line. So that's part, <laughs> of that, that's part of that awareness thing that I go. It's like, make sure that you read everything that you sign, especially when it comes to your money. And, and so it's like, so I'm like, that's when I realized I wasn't alone. And even though it's, it's, it's been years since I've, I've had those issues, uh, I mean, I'm meeting people that are going through it. And it's just because they didn't read the fine print, they opted into something that they didn't truly understand. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? Some, uh, entrepreneurs. Um, it's because I believe they fuel the, uh, they fuel the economy and they also pursue a dream. And So are you uh, an angel investor? I'm not an angel investor, but I have invested uh, in individual uh, people's projects. And I also do micro lending uh, through, like, uh, I use Kiva.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've, vest- I've invested in, in dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs in like 30 different countries. Awesome. And last but not least, I'm Jason Vitug. I'm so money because? Uh, I'm, I'm living my dream lifestyle. You are. And we thank you for it. You're doing. Really, Jason, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I have the words to describe how awesome of a, of a, of the life you're leading and you're impacting. I, I just know so many people and everyone check out frugal.com, P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L. And, uh, Jason, good luck. We'll be watching you. Uh, thank you so much, Frenouche, for, for having me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Jason, his website is frugal.com. That's P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L. It's also on Twitter at the same name, at frugal. And on somoneypodcast.com, hop over there. You can click on the episode for Jason. You can find the transcript for this interview as well as the comments. And I want to hear from you. Please send your question to me by visiting somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and there you can ask me whatever's on your money mind, your career mind, your life mind, your parenting mind. I like to answer all sorts of questions and comments. If you have any thoughts about the show, I'd love to hear those too. I answer and respond to viewers or listeners rather every Saturday and Sunday on the show. And as a reminder, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute money session with me, hop over to iTunes, leave a review for the show, and every Saturday I pick one new reviewer to get a free 15-minute money session with me. So if you're interested in that, that's how you can uh, hopefully increase your chances of getting together with me one-on-one. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to my guest, Jason Vitug of Frugal. Hope your day is so money. Money.